0: Because thine is the kingdom
1: and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast In and Through Exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name's Tim. My name is Marshall. It is. It is. It's it always old. has been. For as long
2: as I can remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just never know what to say right there in that part. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah.
2: I was reflecting on my name the other day. Oh, well, I was just thinking like, it's one of those names that's like, used to be more of a title than like a first name. Mm -hmm. And like, if I time traveled and said, this is what my name was, people would be like, why, why would you be, that doesn't make any sense. Where like, you could go back like a couple thousand years and like Timothy, like no one's going to bat an eye. They're like, yeah, that's a very reasonable name. Of course. But, But like Marshall, people are like, what?
1: Do you ever think of going into a different line of work so you could be Marshal Marshall?
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't really, yeah, I could be a fire marshal here or you, I mean, I'd have to get become an American citizen first, but then, yeah, like a US Marshal, Marshal, whatever. That'd be fun. Yeah. That could be really cool.
1: Marshal Marshall Morden. <laughs> it just rolls, it just <laughs> rolls off the tongue. <laughs> My name means honoring God.
2: My my name I yeah. think means like keeper of the horses. It's like a cavalry. It's a cavalry hey. title. Horses have to be kept. <laughs> yeah, horses. You also used to be a lot cooler than they are now. Like horses now are just kind of for like, like you know, like teenage girls to ride around on and and for like ceremonies and stuff. Like they used to ride those things in a battle.
1: Yeah. Whenever I see a big horse farm, I just think, why? <laughs> Like not not in a not in an I question your decisions, right? Just a legitimate like that has to be costing you a fortune, right? And I don't like you like to ride them. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool, but yeah, really, that's a (laughs) that's a lot of a lot of infrastructure, a lot of money, a lot of like. Okay,
2: it's weird to think too that like in like in a place like Canada where we have more people than Canada's ever had, we have like fewer horses than we've ever had essentially since like the Europeans showed up because like your ratio for like horses to people used to be so much closer because you just needed them for everything mm-hmm. and now they're just like the epitome of, of a luxury like they're just unless you're Amish like you don't need horses nobody needs a horse
1: yeah I, I, I gotta Google a thing
2: <laughs> okay. on this
1: really cool I promise this is not it's so not we're here to this talk is about. not what we're here for but um
2: but we're here anyways.
1: (laughs) I just want to know when cars became common in Canada.
2: Probably not long after they did in the States. I mean...
1: So with the establishment of the Ford Motor Company of Canada, Mm -hmm. LTD, in 1904, Canada's Mm -hmm. automotive industry expanded. By 1913, there were some 50,000 motor vehicles in Canada. My house was built in 1914. There you go. I wonder... If anyone ever rode in and out of work at my house on a horse,
2: wow! Hey, that's that's a that's a fair guess, man.
1: We're because we're nerds yeah, yeah, at the yeah. Elmore House, okay? And so sometimes we talk about things like mm. conversations that have been had within these walls, mm. mm-hmm. right? Uh, the invasion of Poland. Right? Okay. People talked about that. Yeah. The assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand of Austria. Yeah. Wow. The beginning of World War One. Someone received that newspaper to that doorstep and read it, and they talked about it. That's so cool. And then we talked about Russia invading Ukraine. Hmm. Right? All. Of, someone sat there. Someone brought in the first refrigerator into that <laughs> yeah. house. Yeah. And made space for it. Yeah. Right? And just all of those kinds of things. I wonder... If someone ever came home from work mm. on their trusted steed, <laughs> tied it up in what is now our backyard.
2: Right. Who knows? I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising. I mean, it's, you know, Stratford's a rural place, only more so then, you know? So, I mean, yeah, 50,000 vehicles.
1: It's not a lot for, that's all of Canada.
2: Yeah. And there were, like, the population wasn't what it is now, but the population would have still been in the millions. So, most people aren't driving cars at mm-hmm. that point, so...
1: Either they're walking or they're riding a horse. And those walls stood from then Mm. through, like, the space age, through the computer age. Oh, yeah. It was pretty crazy. That's wild. Well, that's fun. Anyway. Anyways. Thanks for listening to stories about horses (laughs) and Tim's house. (laughs) Now let's talk about Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today.
2: We're going to talk about Jehovah's Witness. So obviously in... You know, as we're wrapping up this apologetic series, we've talked about other, other faiths, and uh, just like we did last week when we said, you know, the Mormon Church is a distinct faith from the Christian faith, we're going to... We're going to assert the same thing about the group known as Jehovah's Witnesses.
1: Yeah, and I'll say, too, we did an episode on this last year we did. in the History Podcast. Uh, so it might be, if, if this is something you're really interested in, it might be worth going back to that one mm. uh, and hearing about all the things that we forgot to mention this time. Right. It's probably a better podcast last year than it is this year.
2: <laughs> probably. Probably. Okay. So in order to talk about the Jehovah's Witnesses... We've 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 got to talk about when we've mentioned. I think we mentioned this last week as well, but kind of the the spiritual climate in the 1800s in the United States, right? Like everything was up for grabs, like just in general, even beyond kind of the scope of religion and the church. Like it was just a new world. It was exciting. Mm-hmm. There was new technology. Society was you know like. The United States had been had been independent from Britain for a while now, but still kind of in its adolescence as a nation. Yeah. And and there was just there was the, the kind of kind of like individual, like I can figure it out, I can make it on my own, I can do my own thing, make something of myself, right? Like that was just a palpable thing in that culture and in that time period. But what it did within certain circles of the church it 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 kind of bred this really odd or a number of very odd kind of spinoff mm-hmm. movements, yeah. Um, and so one of one of them uh, attracted a young man by the name of Charles Taze Russell.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think part of two the adventure of it all mm. is up until this point, the world was a very old place, mm. and I, I don't know if we as people on this side of the Atlantic realize how juvenile we are Mm. compared to Europe and Asia, Mm -hmm. Africa, Mm -hmm. right? Where civilizations go back thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And I understand that we have our first nations communities here Mm -hmm. like that, uh, tribal and and more pocketed, not we're, we're not living like I'm living in a home that's built in 1914. And yeah, that's cool and all, but if, if for some reason someone in England decided to listen to this, they'd be like, well, my home was built <laughs> before there was a fourth digit added, right? <laughs> right? Uh, and, and so all of a sudden, what was this old world, and what people just assumed, mm. this is what the world is, there's this fresh place. Mm-hmm. In their minds, a clean slate. Mm-hmm. And a country that wasn't, and now is, mm-hmm. and so there's just sort of this this appetite mm-hmm. for creating new, yeah, and and why old? Why why not new? Right. Newer. We we seem to be doing all of these things in a very new way. Right. Why not worship as well?
2: Yeah, and there's yeah, there and there's this kind of this like progressive shedding off of like traditions and and kind of those that historical baggage mm-hmm. from the old country kind of wherever you were from I, and i think more so in the united states than in oh, canada because in canada when people come to canada they bring where they're from here there i think there's more of a shedding off mm-hmm. um, in the american psyche right so canadians like i can i could like even just between you and i like i could i could easily give you the background of like my ancestors what where they came from, why they came here, all of that, because that's a core part of my identity. And you're like, I'm American. There's probably some British or German back there somewhere. Like, you know what I mean? It's just No, yeah,
1: hundred percent. Because when I when I first came to visit, mm-hmm. uh I remember talking with with people that were just like, Oh, well, you know, Lindsay's Dutch. Mm-hmm. What are you? I'm like, I'm an American. Right, <laughs> right. And 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 people seeing that as arrogant, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. just sort of like, oh, uh, yeah, but where do you come from? Like, genuinely don't know. Right. Right? And that's a weird thing in Canada. And, and the difference, this is where, like, I, I think maybe our American listeners and Canadian listeners can both kind of learn something here. Like, mm. uh, the difference between the melting pot and the mosaic mm. is real.
2: Oh, yeah. Yep. And
1: so America likes to call it, the U S likes to call itself the melting pot. You come here and you become American, you mm-hmm. take on American traditions and all of those kinds of things. And we just sort of what the conglomeration of the whole looks like is what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Canada uses the term mosaic. When you back way out, it all, it's all a cohesive picture. Mm-hmm. But when you zoom in, you mm-hmm. realize that it's pixelated. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their parts and their pockets And you can do that sort of stuff, yeah, right? Because generations upon generations of people will not intermarry outside of their immigrant cultures. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, there's there's far more. Maybe you have, like, Little Italy in New York that used to be a thing. Right. Chinatown in San Francisco, maybe still a bit of a thing. Mm. But you get that kind of stuff in... Most towns in in Canada, oh, yeah. in Ontario at least, yeah, that for I've sure. Seen. So for sure, yeah. Anyway, anyway, so we he, we are successfully we successfully made it to the twelve minute mark. This is great, and only barely introduced what we're right. actually here to talk about.
2: So Charles Taze Russell, uh, Irish Scott background, uh, therefore Presbyterian, right? That mm-hmm. Presbyterian Presbyterianism followed his family across the Atlantic. He grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, he he ends up kind of moving out of the Presbyterian church to a congregational church, and then starts attending um, some of these Bible study groups, mm-hmm. kind of these independent Bible study groups that often had, um, were were connected to some of the groups that were on the fringe of Christianity, the Adventist kind of groups, right? Um, the early kind of dispensational leaning groups, those, right. these kind of fringe movements that were very attractive to people who were wanting something fresh out of their faith. And this is something that he got caught like connected with, but in his little Bible study, which was obviously not under any adequate um, supervision that, you know, this little group just starts coming to these conclusions about, you know, all these core Christian doctrines that are actually wrong. Yeah. Hey, little Bible study group in small town, Pennsylvania and 18, whatever. Isn't it crazy how all Christians have gotten the Trinity wrong, <laughs> right or or whatever? Like th- these these kinds of things that are are like core teachings, right? The immortality of the soul, mm-hmm. uh, doctrines about you know heaven and hell, all these kinds of things, um, just kind of went went out <laughs> and left field and like, oh, hey, isn't it great that we figured it out in our little Bible study group?
1: Yeah, and, and you know, there's there are times when people get a little miffed at their pastors when mm-hmm. they're like. You know why? Why is it that it's so important for you to know what the the small groups are talking about mm. and what they're studying mm-hmm. within the church? It this is this is legitimately the reason. Yeah, this is like, why. I, I won't even I won't even pretend like it's not. This is why, mm-hmm. uh, because it can it can start mm-hmm. with just a small deviation, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden that starts making sense, and then someone now at least. Uh, you go online and you find someone who's teaching that deviation. and you're like, well, this is kind of a thing that we've been doing. Uh, and so you just start you know looking into it a little bit more. And you look into it a little bit more. and all of a sudden he's got this other thing that he said that seems a little bit different and he was obviously right about this one variation, so let's look into this other one mm-hmm. and and these things trickle in and before oh, yeah. you know it, uh, you can get you can end up with some really wild stuff out there.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and so, again, within this kind of this movement, there, there was a, a group of movements that kind of fell under the umbrella of something called the Adventist Christian faith. And essentially, it was all, it was all surrounded by this expectation of the imminent return of Jesus. Mm. And the, the, par- the group that he was part of, they believed that Jesus was coming back in 1878. He was going to come back in 1878, and he was going to usher in the Millennial Kingdom. Um and so Charles Taze Russell uh was really excited about this. Uh so he sold his business for a tidy sum of money, um, and then just went full time into you know promoting this this news of the imminent return of Jesus. So he just like dropped everything, sold everything. Jesus is coming back soon, guys, so like let's you know, let's just go hard after that. Um issue was Jesus did not come back in 1878 really which yeah I, this might be news to you Tim but he didn't return in 1878
1: yeah so one of one of the things that I think is important for the believer to keep to stay aware of mm. when they're asking themselves the question is this teaching that I'm consuming sound doctrine mm is to ask yourself what's the focus, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? There are a couple of focuses that just sort of, by historical study, lead astray. Right. One of them is a hyper-focus on the return of Christ. Yep. yep. Someone's going to hear me say that and think, well, but the Bible says that you're supposed to keep watch and he's going to come like a thief. in the Sure. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm not saying you don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you don't study it and you don't prepare for it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying when that becomes the weight of the topic,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's going a wrong direction. Right. E- eventually, it's going to go a wrong direction Yeah. because the Scripture focuses on the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation mm-hmm. by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. The only real preparation one can have for the return of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is an acceptance of the gospel mm-hmm. yeah. through and salvation through faith.
2: Yeah, that's how you're ready. That's how you
1: get ready, right. folks. Right. That's, that's where the focus always needs to be. Mm-hmm. But when the focus becomes the individual, mm-hmm. when the focus becomes good deeds, these things that are all a part of Scripture, mm-hmm. but focusing on the parts, that's just... Mm-hmm. that's where it it starts going wrong.
2: Yeah, and and we can see and what ends up happening oddly enough is that yeah, that emphasis the the emphasis on the wrong syllable, then it over time because this is like the secret knowledge that these this group has picked up on the deviation into like other weird ways like there was a bunch of like Imminent return of Christ hysteria around the time of the Crusades, the medieval mm-hmm. Crusades, yeah, in which was the justification in part of some of the things that were done in the name of Christ because they had to be done because they had to get to Jerusalem in order to initiate this whole thing, right? And so, like, because the emphasis was so much on Jesus coming back, it 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 literally was was used as kind of cover for. A lot of really terrible things, and mm-hmm. and so yeah. Just, anyways, I think yeah, I think we've we've said it enough. So, anyways, after this disappointment, um, Charles Hayes Russell split with his associates, and in 1881 he founded something called the Zion's Watchtower Tract Society. Uh, you, most of our listeners probably know what Watchtower is. They've seen the logo, they've mm-hmm. gotten the materials in their door. Somebody's handed them a tract or a little booklet or something, um, and and he would essentially. Um, Charles Taze Russell would would devote his life into this publishing house that would right. be put, putting out all of these materials, um, millions of tracts and pamphlets and books, all of it, and all all kind of affirming uh, the views, these kind of divergent views that, that he had. Yeah, um, and not
1: just him, but those who would follow him, yeah. who would contribute to those divergent views at this point. Mm-hmm. Right, so I, I just don't want people to take that and be like, "Oh, this is all the work of Charles Taz Russell yeah. handed down through the years." Because, yeah, no, because to be to be fair to Russell, his views were not as divergent mm-hmm. as the Jehovah's Witness is today. Right, yeah. he was by no means orthodox. No, uh, but he didn't write all of the doctrine right. that they work on today. In in a very a very similar way as to uh, the Mormon Church, right? Yeah. Right. They they begin with a leader who starts teaching things that slip. A couple of really influential guys that follow along mm-hmm. push it further. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and in this case, it was a guy by the, one of the key players was Joseph Rutherford, mm-hmm. um, who made some some notable changes. Uh, and and you know he introduced some of the things that like we would identify with Jehovah's witness movement. So like the going house to house, that, that sort of thing. Uh, but he also, he also claimed that the patriarchs, so like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, um, would be resurrected and the millennial kingdom would begin. And, uh, and that there was going to be a resurrection of 144,000 of the saints, um, to initiate this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, That expectation um, didn't turn out either. Uh, (laughs) Surprise, 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 didn't didn't happen then. Um, And so, like, it's one of these things where, like, the the goalposts keep getting moved. Yeah. And definitions get rewritten. Right. uh, In order for this to make sense, because the Jehovah's Witness movement, who, like, promoted themselves as they were the restored Church, the true Church, in a similar way the Mormons did the same thing, um, you know eventually they outgrow the 144,000 mark. So what do you do with that, right? When there's only been yeah. 10,000 of you, it's very, it's very, 144,000, like, hey, 144, 000, like we're, we're just the beginning of this. Once it outgrows that, it's like, uh. Yeah, then it <laughs> becomes that
1: those are the elders right, over the various congregations.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they started teaching that they were already resurrected in heaven, that there was a secret return, Um and, and the newer converts were part of like a different class of saved Christians. Mm-hmm. So there was the extra special 144,000, but everybody else is still, they're still in the club, just like not VIP status, I guess. Yeah. Where
1: are you at on your timeline? Are you at 1914 already?
2: Yeah. Mo- yeah. Okay. Let's, yeah. yeah.
1: So the, so the <laughs> multiple times, there's not just the one prediction of the no, return. No no. No, 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 Right. Then there's also the 1914, 1915, mm-hmm. Return of Christ. Yeah. Really pumped it. Uh, Didn't happen. Mm -hmm. People had lots of questions. Come to find out, it did actually happen. Sure. You just didn't notice it. Right. Because it was a spiritual return. Right. And not a physical return. Right. Even though the way Jesus describes it in Matthew... Yeah. It's not subtle right like lightning from one end of the earth to the other right like this right, right, these right. big events but they're like no 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 none of that if yeah. you were if you were more spiritual you'd realize that things are different now <laughs> uh but not even like in the moment not even like whoa it's sort of like this reflection back mm mm-hmm. You know, like months, if not a couple of years later. No, it
2: happened. It happened, guys. So, oh no!
1: Here's what we learned. We learned that it did happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the spiritual among us can can feel it. And yeah. and that makes that's a huge turning point mm. for them doctrinally, mm-hmm. because now they have uh, a prophecy stated. And executed, mm-hmm. come to be, um, alleged, and and yeah, <laughs> right. So so, however, however solid you think that is, right, they have one to claim for themselves, mm-hmm. and that that works for them as a, a legitimizer of the of their faith, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, the big issue that they had uh, ultimately was that uh, their beliefs were becoming untenable in comparison to what the bible taught. So what do you do when the, when your beliefs in the bible don't agree? Do you change your beliefs? No, you write a new bible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and and they they were using the King James. Right. Everybody was. Up to this point. Yeah. And and they would still like if you showed up with the King James Bible, mm-hmm. they—I don't think they would be like, "Whoa, don't bring that in here." Right, right. They would, they would say, "Okay,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: you come back twice, we'll give you one. Yeah, come back day. next week, and we'll have one for you." <laughs> um, it's, it's not incredibly different.
2: No, it's subtle, subtly different.
1: It's, it's not incredibly different in the wording, mm. but the differences are incredible.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's like if you tweaked less than 1% of a document, Mm -hmm. but it was the critical 1% of that document. Right. You were, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was a God. Yeah. Right. Because again, we'll get into the specifics of their beliefs, but it's things like that. Like, I mean, you just changed an article from definite Mm -hmm. to indefinite, like was like, yeah, but that, that says a lot, actually, yeah. about where where the people making those changes stand on a pretty central issue of the Christian faith. Yeah, yeah, and that's so that's yeah that's what that's what happens. So yeah, the New World Translation. Um, so I mean, it's worth knowing the name New World Translation that way. If you ever come across one, you know what you're looking at. It,
1: yeah, it's kind of a powder gray. Yeah, the light kind of gray, a standardized got, look. Yeah, there, yeah, there's only one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, so it, it's not like you can. Buy you don't get to buy different colors. Right. You can't go to the store and get it. Right. It all comes from the Watchtower, right? And and it's really standard. And so I got my hands on one. Nice. Um, I like taking it with me sometimes to the coffee shop, <laughs> and uh, just leaving it out. Yeah. Just so that other Jehovah's Witnesses see it and recognize it.
2: Right. Right.
1: Um, I've done that a couple of times. Um, That's fun. But but yeah. So just. Further on about the Watchtower and what they do now, mm-hmm. and, and sort of why they're the only place you can get those Bibles. The Watchtower Track Society is uh, still in New York City, still producing all of their materials in so many languages, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. But the way that the way that they operate now, um, when you go to a, a Bible study. With a Jehovah's Witness, what is talked about at every Bible study is uniform throughout the world. Wow! On that given day. Wow! So if you're if you were to take this into the Baptist sort of things, um, what we would teach on a Sunday morning would be the exact same thing taught in Knollwood. Mm. in London, Ontario. It would be the exact same thing taught at uh, Glendale, in Boonville, Arkansas. Wow. Right? It's all the same. It all comes from the Watchtower. No one within an individual congregation Mm -hmm. has the right to create any materials or teachings, no matter how in step with the Watchtower it is. Wow. So if you were there 50 years, you can only read the Watchtower as a small group leader, wow! You can only read it to them and and discuss it and share whatever insights you've gleaned over the years. Sure, sure. But this is your lesson, and don't stray from it. Wow! And and so I've made phone calls to the Watchtower. Mm-hmm. You can call it up. Oh yeah. You can just call them and be like, "Hey, I'd like to talk to somebody." Really weird things, like no one there's allowed to tell you their name. Oh yeah. It's like I'm actually working on because I I wrote a biography of Charles Russell. Oh. Okay. For my uh, for my senior project to graduate from the University of Arkansas at Fort Smith with my history degree. Cool. So he was he was my senior, my graduating project, and uh, I told him I was like, listen, for what it's worth, you're a footnote, right. a source of information in this academic paper. Right. I, I need I need a name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're like, we don't do that. Wow. And so no one there is allowed to tell you their name. I had questions. Right. Like this new translation they have is a translation from the Greek and the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly, there are no schools. There are no places of higher education within the world of the Jehovah's Witness. And Koine is a dead language.
2: Yeah. As is biblical Hebrew. It's not the same as modern Hebrew.
1: Where did you learn Greek?
0: <laughs>
1: so that not only could you translate the Bible, mm-hmm. but you could translate the Bible better. and make corrections. Yeah, make it
2: better than
1: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And 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 where this where this really, really matters, where it's not just being petty. Mm. Um, they are not allowed. To read anything else, Mm. right? They can bring you the Watchtower. If you bring them our daily bread, they have to throw that in the trash. If they were caught reading it, they would be shunned, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, They could bring you a a teaching on the Gospel of John. You bring them the Pillar Commentary by Donald Carson, Mm -hmm. and they could be kicked out of their church for it, Mm. right? They're not allowed to study anything else anywhere else mm. the only place you can learn koine greek is in a christian seminary mm-hmm. We're the, we have the corner on the market <laughs> where where are they learning this right i don't know and so so for me i thought well this would be this would be great information useful for the paper
0: mm.
1: complete silence nothing yeah. to say on it but
2: well, yeah, no surprise there. Yeah, and so, yeah, and so they're they're run by a committee known mm-hmm. as the governing body. Right. Who profess to be God's spokesman on earth and they amend and update and adjust teachings as they see fit.
1: Nameless and faceless committee. Yeah. Nobody knows who's on this committee. Yeah. And my understanding uh from what little bit of work that I did on it was um you, you don't even necessarily go into the Watchtower publishing house and be like, "Those are the guys." Mm-hmm. Like everyone, just yeah. The deeper you look into it, the weirder it gets. Yeah, yeah, it's weird.
2: And I mean, if you like, I know I have some people that I that I know just kind of like through social connections, friends of friends, or spouses of friends that grew up in the Jehovah's Witness. Um, Community, and having left, they lost. Like their family won't come to their weddings, and there, it's it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, pretty exclusive, and and yeah, and a little sketchy, if we're being honest.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So let's talk a little bit about what what their be- what their beliefs are. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm g- I'm cheating a little bit with this list here. So the TGC did a really great article on this. Um, so I'm going to kind of use this. We're not going just going to go through it verbatim, but just to bounce ideas. But uh, the the one thing that you'll notice with Jehovah's Witnesses is they insist insist on the use of Jehovah mm-hmm. when when talking about God. Now here's the thing that people need to understand about Jehovah. We we you know we have songs that reference Jehovah, and there's nothing wrong with using that as a title for God. It's it's an anglicized transliteration what what i mean by that is it's it's a it's a way of saying a word that we can't really pronounce properly and we do it the wrong way as english speakers that is what that's that's how you get jehovah mm-hmm. right yahweh tends to be the better the, the more agreed upon but even that even that is an educated guess mm-hmm. so that's the reality of the divine name. That So the capital L-O-R-D in the Old Testament, Yahweh, if you want to say Jehovah, fine, but what they do is they insist on it in a way that's like really odd because there's in fact a, a number of names in Scripture that are used for God. Um, so their insistence on Jehovah is just a very very interesting one.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and more and more you see other groups that are doing things, uh, people that are doing this with Yahweh as well.
2: Or Yeshua for Jesus,
1: right? All these charismatic people—it's like Yeshua.
2: Don't say Jesus. Yeah, it's not his
1: name. It's Yeshua. It's like, but where where it's a bigger problem (laughs) for for the name of God, and and where and the reason why modern Bible translations tend toward the capital L O R D Mm -hmm. is because the tradition of not writing it out cost us the appropriate pronunciation, Mm -hmm. and I know that there are translations and there are teachers who say, well, let's do this because this is what we've found to be the most accurate. Mm -hmm. There's still a bit of, yeah, but I don't want to get it wrong at all.
2: Right, right.
1: And since we don't know, let's just not touch it, Mm. right? And so when people really, really insist on this, they're insisting on a thing that the Bible itself doesn't insist on.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Even even if uh, all of those Old Testament writers who wouldn't, those scribes, who wouldn't recreate it mm-hmm. for fear of messing it up or, or it, the pages becoming soiled, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. that easily could have been cleaned up in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And even more so could have been cleaned up in the early church. Mm-hmm. And no one did. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's a pretty solid tradition that we stand on mm-hmm. in keeping... Keeping that vague, right? Are we going to find out in heaven that there was a better way? Maybe. Yeah. But the insistence goes too far.
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The ins- well, the insistence on on that particular one too is just a strange one.
1: Yeah, because because to be honest with you, I, even if you. I, I know they like to use the transliteration argument. Mm-hmm. They like to say, well, this is just how you would say that in English. It's not.
2: It's actually not, yeah.
1: It's not. Like, I. you would replace the E with an A if you wanted to get that sound. Well, the... the It'd be more like a Jehovah.
2: Yeah, the, the Old Testament Hebrew doesn't... The actual original Old Testament Hebrew doesn't have vowels. The vowel points were added later. Mm-hmm. And even then, the first letter, the yod... Tends to have more of a yuh sound, right? Than a juh. The juh sound is a is a is a an issue. Like it's a pro, it's it's a, it's an incorrect pronunciation right. that English people started to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's like, anyways, it all that to say, it's just it's it, insisting on it is is a problem. Right? Uh, again, not the biggest issue, but one that's gonna maybe jump jump out because people are gonna even in conversation, Jehovah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is is the Trinity. They deny the Trinity. Yes, um, which is which is huge. Um, so you know they'll insist there's only one God, right? And that's Jehovah. Jesus is also a God, but a lesser God. So it's like it's it's this weird insistence. The Son of, of God. It's yeah yeah. So it's it's weird insistence of like only one God, but also. Yeah, it's it's a it's a muddying of the waters because if you you stick somebody on okay so but then who is Jesus Himself, you know the, the Son of God? Well, what does that mean? Like, how is that different? Um, what it ends up kind of coming to is that they believe that Jesus was the Archangel Michael. Mm-hmm. So they believe that the, when Michael is mentioned in the Old Testament, that is referring to like pre-incarnate Jesus,
1: right? Um, mostly, mostly that's gained from the Book of Revelation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where because because the Book of Revelation one is really tricky to interpret as a whole, but it's tricky to put into a chronological working as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there is a time where it's obvious that the army of the Son of God comes mm-hmm. and destroys evil. Uh, but also there's an army led by Michael the archangel, right. and so they conflate the ideas mm-hmm. and say, well, they're the same, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's kind of where they would point to—most the, the, of the time what they'll point to when it comes to who is the person of Jesus is they'll point to Jesus saying, I and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they'll say, or when you've seen me, you've seen my father, mm-hmm. as just sort of the same way that you would look at someone and be like, wow, he's just the spitting image of his dad. Right. Like you look like him, you sound like him, you talk like him, mm. but obviously it's not him,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah. So those are those are some of the the texts that they use uh, for that kind of an argument. But it's we 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 opened up with it. They recognize Jesus. Has more than a man, because he is what John 1 is talking about. Right. They insist that the lack of the definitive article makes a huge difference and says that Jesus was not God. Mm. Right? So, So just to explain that out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm. Now, in Greek, there is only one article the definitive article Mm -hmm. the english the Mm -hmm. there's no a or an Mm -hmm. to make a general statement um the article pops up like crazy it's there all the time yep uh they way way overuse Mm -hmm. the definitive article yeah so the argument of the jehovah's witness um again who we don't know where they studied greek um is that when the article is missing that is, by default,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the in indefinite article, mm-hmm. an A. And so since there's no article there, by default, that means...
2: Yeah, but that's not how Greek it's syntax not, works.
1: No, the, the technical term is the arnatheris noun. Mm-hmm. And so the problem is, if it was there, it would deny the Father and the Spirit... In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was the God. Right. Right? right. And right. then you run into some like really weird stuff with he was with God in the beginning. Wait. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh so so no there's there's theological and grammatical problems created by having that there. The reason that matters is because these people are very well trained. Yeah. And they're going to come at you with that. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't remember to call them out and be like, no, that's the arnathris noun, and you don't need an indefinite article in order to carry out what's... Mm-hmm. Even if you can't remember that part, if you can just say, that's not exactly how Greek syntax works, mm-hmm. that's enough because they don't know Greek either. Right, right? They just know that someone told them that this is the answer to that, mm-hmm. and if you do that, you're going to blow folks' mind. There's right. a great moment in a conversation I heard with James White one time. Where he was being hit up by this Jehovah's Witness who didn't realize who he was, um, just at a coffee shop, and he just reached into his backpack and pulled out his Greek New Testament and said, "Would mm-hmm. you point at an article for me?" <laughs> right, and the guy just had to stop and back <laughs> off and be like, "Okay, maybe I'm talking above my pay grade at this point, right?" Right. right. Uh, but but it is it is a thing that we. We can and need to combat it against, because again, it's one of those things, we've been talking about it on Sunday mornings from Colossians, Mm. the plausible argument. Right, right. And so, an interesting fact around this noun and the defense around the noun, or the lack thereof, Mm -hmm. or the article, sorry, Mm -hmm. and the, uh, the lack thereof, when you do a historical study of English Bible translations... Because of copyright law, and because of uh, theories on translation, things change ever so slightly in the wording, but not in their meaning. Sure, John one one has only ever been translated the exact same way.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's
0: super it's, clear.
1: It's one that doesn't change at all. Mm-hmm. Yet. In in this book here, The Reasoning and Scriptures, this is their systematic theology, mm. uh, and and what it says in here is that there's another Bible translation that did this long before they did. Mm. So, me being the nerd that I am, I did a deep dive. They only give the initials of the translation— Okay. And so I had to do this... Is it like Marcion or something? No, it, it's it's so crazy. Okay. So I had to do this deep dive to find this translation. Mm-hmm. And I found a digital copy and the history of the translation in like these archives in, in England somewhere, where there was this Anglican priest who, for his own exercise, okay. translated the New Testament. Mm. As a part of his Devos. Uh, as part of his devotions, yeah, yeah, right, translates it, and then he passes away. The uh, there's an an Arian church in the area. Those are deniers of Christ's uh, equality. equality with God, not divinity, but equality with God. the The anti Trinitarian church. This small group of like thirteen who are just eager for a Bible that doesn't have this. Mm. And so they find out that this guy translated the Bible, and in in an estate auction, they mm. purchase his translation. Mm. Who wants this? It's the guy's notes from his morning devotions, right? Mm-hmm. They purchase it. But he translated it the same way that it's always translated. Oh, And so they change it and then publish it (laughs) with the footnote saying, we changed this. (laughs) And so when these guys reference, they're like, we're not the first ones to do this. Someone did it before us. It's a bit disingenuous. Yeah, other heritage. It is wildly disingenuous (laughs) because it's a one-person translation, and even he doesn't agree with you. Some they The people that bought it didn't know how to read Greek, couldn't come up with their own translation, basically stole this guy's intellectual property, mm. published it of their own with a footnote saying, we acknowledge that he said something else because they weren't even that dishonest. And these guys are just like, yeah, yeah. yeah we're good. They agree with us. you're like, wild. of course they agree with you because they were the Aryan Society of London. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> that's so wild. Okay, that was so, a tangent. No, that's fine. but a that's good fine. story. That's fine.
2: Yeah, and and so like, and obviously, so their their views on on Christ obviously impact the way they understand the incarnation, right? And and even interestingly enough, this is one that I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't aware of before. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus, when he was resurrected, was resurrected spiritually, but not physically.
1: Yeah, there's a Gnostic element to Jehovah's Witness. Yeah,
2: which is really interesting. Um, in spite of, in spite of like the accounts in Scripture where he's like eating food and saying mm-hmm. like, "Touch my hands, touch my side." Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't know if this is like a next-gen hologram kind of scenario that there, but I just don't know how they rationalize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is something to be aware of, right? That this denial of a of a physical resurrection and only a spiritual one could, I mean, maybe that stems from the. The secret, ret- like maybe that's connected to the secret return stuff from 1914. I'm not really entirely sure, to be honest, but in any case, yeah, that's where they land. That
1: was also a problem in Thessalonica, right. and Paul addressed it.
2: Yeah, true, true. Yeah, um, yeah, so the also, so just like Christ is not equal with the Father, neither is the Holy Spirit. So the, the Holy Spirit is like the force, mm-hmm. the force of God, like right? the, the. So not not a distinct person in the Trinity, but like just how how the 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 power source, right? The electricity, yeah. right? It, for the
1: Star Wars fans, yeah, that's the, the most direct analogy. The Force, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And uh, even though, like, biblically, the Holy Spirit is described as having uh, a much more well well rounded personage than that, mm-hmm. with mind and will and all these uh, all these other things. Um. So salvation, obviously, you have to have faith in Jesus. Hey, that's good. We're good with that. Also, you need to be part of the true church.
1: Yeah, they are the only church. Yeah, um, very that. exclusive. And and not only that, you have to be active and in good favor with that church. Right, yeah. In, in that case, very Catholic, mm-hmm. whereas if you're put out of the church— Local, you're put out of the church universal.
2: Yeah, you're out.
1: Yeah, right. And and shunning is a huge way that they do this in order to bring people back around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen Jehovah's Witness at the risk of losing a job, mm. fail to address a customer who was from their Kingdom Hall and was under church discipline, uh, not inviting family members to family mm-hmm. gatherings. Mm-hmm because uh they're under discipline those kinds of things yeah right yeah
2: it's heavy stuff um yeah just other other kind of spiritual spiritual matters right um so they don't this the way they understand the soul is also very different like that, they don't they don't kind of see the soul as kind of the eternal part of who we are um so like it's just kind of your 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 life force um so it's a very weird way of kind of understanding what the soul is um yeah so again it's it's just very it's it's this odd distinction and it's got kind of gnostic gnostic vibes mm-hmm. to
1: it right yeah and 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 it has a very practical application mm. um so there is no uh there is no acceptance of any kind of of medical attention that would cr- require blood transfusion, mm. or or not even a full on transfusion, even if even if they were in an accident, lost a lot of blood, uh, and and just needed a top up from mm. blood donations. No, um, the Old Testament makes a, a mention that uh, the life force is you know the blood is its life force, right? Right. 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 Um, And so what their argument is, is you can't take in another being's life force. That's why only kosher meat is meat that has had the blood drained from it. Right, right. Um, So if they were in a car accident, Mm -hmm. even inside of this book, the, The Reasoning of Scriptures, it teaches them that saline is an appropriate alternative. So that if you're in a car accident and you're losing blood, let them patch you up, and what you need is volume, not necessarily blood. And they would, they, they teach it is better to die from bleeding than it is to cross life forces with someone else. And so no blood transfusions at all. No donating blood, no receiving blood donations. And and that's where, that's where, yeah, you look at that as sort of like this ethereal, weird connection of the soul and, and blood, and, mm-hmm. and I don't really know what to do with that. But in addition, in addition to having their own sort of obscure theologies, they have their own obscure sort of practical applications for these theologies, mm-hmm. in a way that, just like the uh, rabbinical traditions, Wrote all of the Talmuds of this is how you live out the law. Jehovah's Witness are wildly legalistic, mm, mm-hmm. wildly legalistic, and and this book covers a lot of how it is you live out those laws, the things that you can and can't do, and and why that matters, mm. right? And the the blood is is a huge one in that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I
2: mean it it gets it gets into the whole. Um, you know, fence but well, what you preached on last week, right? Just like building fences mm-hmm. further and further back, you know, on these on these issues to try and keep people, you know, in this state of perpetual holiness. Um but yeah, and I mean it's it's a it's a broken system and yet I think they make life so miserable for people that leave that I think that keeps a lot of people in.
1: Sure. You know? Yeah. And and family is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Even even within the church, just like we talked about with the Mormons, right? right. Like that's, it's just a really, a really big deal, the yeah. community that they, they build.
2: Yeah, and then the the last one, uh, kind of in the eternal sense, they're actually, they're annihilationists, so they don't believe in hell the same way we do. Mm-hmm. So um, again, be, I think because, the, the like, because there's not an eternal soul, like, you know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no way... To suffer spiritually, um, anyway. So that's yeah. It's just an interesting, an interesting take that they that they have, and one that might make them appealing in uh, in modern day, since you know that's kind of one spot where a lot of a lot of modern Christians are pushing back on our you know the Orthodox understanding of of hell. Um, so, but anyways, yeah. So there's that's the that's the Jehovah's Witnesses for you. I don't know how yeah. much else you had to. Yeah, talk?
1: just a couple of things. Sure. One, you need to understand that some of these teachings are tiered. Right. They're not they're not intentionally hidden like, oh, don't tell them third tier doctrine because they haven't graduated to that, right? Right, right. Just to say if you're walking down the street and you see it's Watchtower and there's another one. Every other week it's a different one. It's oh. every other week it's Watchtower and then there's an, another one I can't think of right now. Mm. Anyway, if you're walking down the street and you grab one of these magazines and you find laying down or someone leaves it and you open it up and you read about and you start reading it it's mm-hmm. very surface level. Like the stuff you're going to get, you'll agree with mm-hmm. in large part. Awake. That's it. So, uh, and, and, and the whole, both of those you can hear inside the word, watchtower and awake. Mm-hmm. Both of these are still focused on the imminent return of Christ right. as the whole reason mm-hmm. uh, we're doing this. Um, and again, not to say that we we shouldn't have that expectation and and um, be motivated accordingly, but it's just written into everything they do, right? Right, right. right. Uh, it'd be kind of like if we just named everything Baptist after water, right? <laughs> um. So I- anyway, anyway, yeah. Dunkin' Donuts is already if taken. You- <laughs>
2: Sorry. That was if, the best I had. You,
1: <laughs> and even that wasn't great. If you read if you read those pamphlets, you might find things that cause you to go that's strange. That's mm. an interesting way to word that. That mm. picture is odd, right? Those kinds of of things might catch your attention, but you're not going to find things that are wildly different. Right? Because right. they're they're keen to that. They're aware of that. Oh yeah. Uh The other thing that, just as an interesting bit, if you have friends that are Jehovah's Witness, that you'll notice very clearly in their practice, no holidays.
2: Right, yeah. No birthdays.
1: No birth. The only thing you're allowed to celebrate are wedding anniversaries. Mm. I thought that was an interesting exclusion from the the rejection of all holidays. But, um, so in... And having probably one of the guys on the secret committee's wife was just not having it just back just, in the forties. No. Be like, yeah.
2: Nope, I'm getting my anniversary <laughs> vacation. <laughs> yeah. So
1: so Valentine's Day, uh, they press hard against because you know, it, it's just focused on the wrong kind of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point they're just like, No holidays is the easiest way to do it, right? Right. Christmas started with the whole, like, that's not actually the day and, mm-hmm. and you know, pagan uh, backgrounds and all that kind of stuff, which are not true. Would, I would refer you to our Christmas episode two years ago.
2: We did a deep dive on that, folks.
1: Yeah. Probably that, my favorite episode ever. We should just re-release that one next week. Maybe we should <laughs> do a remix. Remix. How would that work in a podcast? You just no sort of idea. like reorder the conversation. We'd have to have like a little like sound cue that was like, <laughs> and then just like, I don't know. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, Christmas isn't happening. Easter mm-hmm. isn't happening for mm-hmm. this, for the exact same reasons. Birthdays. Uh, c- because my thought was, well, if you're going to do the anniversary, you do the birthdays thing, right? Mm. No, because there are two times in all of Scripture that yep. a birthday is mentioned, and something bad happens on both of them. Well, and One of them John the Baptist gets beheaded. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the other one was. Oh, it was it's, like
2: Pharaoh's birthday or something. Something like that. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, they're both bad, and <laughs> yeah. it happens on birthdays. And so there's this wildly like, superstitious... This- connection made right with no holidays so so speaking with a jehovah's witness friend one time he was telling me that uh the last thursday in november his family was getting together mm. and i was like wait 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 wait, what on thanksgiving it's like it's not thanksgiving dim i'm like so what is it but that's it's the last thursday of November, Or they just have it off work, right? And he's just like, yeah, that was his thing. He's like, yeah. listen, it's not Thanksgiving. It just happens to be a day yeah. where no one in the family has to work. And so my mom's just going to make a big meal and we're all going to come together and eat it.
2: And I was like, <laughs> that sounds a lot like Thanksgiving. <laughs> <"D-> <laughs> thank you. Are you going to like, are you going to like thank God for the
1: food before you eat? Like, I don't know. <sighs>
0: I
2: don't know if they're allowed to watch
0: football. Are you gonna, appre- if there was football are you gonna appreciate background? it?
1: Are you gonna appreciate what's going on instead of being thankful? Be appreciative.
0: <laughs>
1: this is a special day for us to gather and be appreciative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one bothered me. But yeah, so those are those are just some practical things. I in a lot of these we talked about inroads, yeah. how to start conversations. Yep, I would helpful. I would say more than anyone else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Be careful and strategic and probably get someone around you mm-hmm. in order to, to strike out on this one. Yep. Uh, we mentioned that Mormons don't always know their stuff, and in mm-hmm. fact, that that most don't, mm-hmm. and that just is not true in Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. The indoctrination is a real thing mm-hmm. they know it forward and backward they know their Bible better than you know your Bible mm-hmm. and um, and they will and, and the way they do that is they just they know their talking points mm-hmm. and they teach an apologetic against Christianity mm-hmm. so they know their talking points and they know your talking points. Mm-hmm and they will always bring it back to the same kinds of things over and over and over again mm-hmm. um they're not playing games mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah for sure so yeah don't don't uh if you're gonna tread into those waters yeah get some get some backup
1: don't run from it no no no, no but don't. don't think don't think if they come knocking on a saturday morning and you let them in you're going to just shock them with oh yeah well, John
2: one, Colossians one, Hebrews one,
1: <laughs> right? Because they've got an answer. They're yeah, not. They're they not afraid the of you. Of yeah. 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 All right. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. It's produced by Alex Walker. Mm, see you next time. See. You.